Counselors, approach the bench. I have no further witnesses, Your Honor. Curiosity, I'm allowing this freak show to continue. Your Honor, I'd like to ask for a recess. Overruled. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? Welcome to Movie Mistrial. The podcast where we examine the IMDb Top 250 and argue for or against the movies being on that list. My name is Johannes. And I am Raji. Today, we're talking about another film on that list. One of Christopher Nolan's mind-whopping capers, Inception. Inception was released July 13th, 2010, and stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Cillian Murphy, Elliot Page, and Ken Watanabe, among a host of other stellar actors. It also stars Tom Hardy, whose movie Venom broke the pandemic record some weeks ago, and who is in the running to be the next James Bond. Before we get into someone else's subconscious, though, let's talk about how your week has been. My week has been interesting. Um, I'm excited that I will be going to see... We're recording uh, at the very first weekend or second weekend in October, uh, the weekend where James Bond launches, and James Bond being my favorite franchise, I'm going to be going to the movie theater to see it. Nice. So it's it's quite interesting. Um also got into, I'm also interested, controversially, in listening to the new Dave Chappelle uh, Netflix special that just launched. And uh, my wife is not a big fan of Dave Chappelle. Um, yeah. So it is, uh, anyway, that's what yeah. I have planned this week. And I'm watching a lot of Squid Games. So, <laughs> so that's, I'm not going to, yeah, I'm. It's it's an interesting week, and uh, we'll see where it all goes. Right, right. Uh, yeah, as for me, uh, I'm trying to hear James Bond tonight as well. So get that going, and then uh, going to Hawaii tomorrow, and uh, spend the week in Hawaii. Beautiful oh, nice. Hawaii. Yeah, yep. I hear the waters are always warm over there. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's and the big... Go on. Oh, great. And I happen to be on the island with the active volcano, so... Oh, man. Good times. No, it, it, it's kind of cool, though. Nature and stuff. I, I will say that before moving to California, they sold me a dream. California sold me a dream where I could come to the the beaches of California and just hang out by the ocean and enjoy women in bikinis walking around and stuff. But, you know, those waters are cold and freezing. <laughs> I have no Very idea. True. I have no idea how they got so many people to move here. But uh, you still got to love California. Yeah, yeah. Still yeah especially up it. where we are in the in the Bay Area. The waters are freaking cold. Yeah. <clears throat> cool, though. So uh, we'll be talking about Inception today. Um, before we do that, should we do the coin toss? Yeah, of course. Of course. Got to start somewhere. I, uh, I'm 100% sure it's going to be heads. I dreamt about this and I woke up and I was like, today is going to be heads. So let's see. <laughs> the devil. That sounds like a dear Evan Hansen thing. Today's going to be <laughs> a good day because it's going to be heads. Okay, so you're calling heads? Yes, heads it is. Tail. <laughs> Your dreams what? lied to you. I guess uh, somebody uh, in, <laughs> went into your subconscious and invented <laughs> a bad idea. <laughs> Hey, this is like three weeks in a row. It's been tails. Uh, all right, cool. 
What is it gonna um, be for you? I'm gonna argue for this movie. Um, I'm gonna I, argue for this movie. I knew you were gonna argue for this film. Um, <laughs> and if I was heads, I was gonna make you argue against this film. Uh, <laughs> That's what I was fearing. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Well, I'll argue against this film. I think that, like every, uh, like every um, Christopher Nolan film, it's a lot of good concepts, great concepts. Anyway, are we? Let, let's start. Let's start. So, before we start, though, let's hear a quick synopsis. Dom Cobb, Leonardo DiCaprio, is a thief with a rare ability to enter people's dreams and steal their secrets from their subconscious. His skill has made him a hot commodity in the world of corporate espionage, but has also cost him everything he loves. Cobb gets a chance at redemption when he is offered a seemingly impossible task. Plant an idea in someone's mind. If he succeeds, it will be the perfect crime, but a dangerous enemy anticipates Cobb's every move. The witness will address this court as judge or your honor. The judge, jury, which is you, the listener. Today, I'm going to be arguing against the movie Inception. A movie with a great concept, taking a simple idea and expanding it into a wide enough berth. But the problem is this movie has two modes, exposition and gun battles. And the dialogue is really poor. And I think that there are plot holes in this film that you can drive a truck through. I think I've said this even before we started recording the podcast, so I kind of gave that away. Um, you know, like every Christopher Nolan film, this movie has really great concepts, really great ideas, but it's it's um, it's cumbered, encumbered with poor dialogue, um, and some of the ideas are never fully realized. So this that's gonna be like the basic ideas that I'm gonna use throughout my arguments. Um, over to you. All right, Your Honor. Uh, Inception is a, a visually stunning movie that holds up twelve years into a, a, like into its life. Um, holds up fantastically. It has a fantastic cast, and uh, I think it shows that a lot of the sets and the the scenery is real and that it's it was shot around the world and i think it shows and, and it just goes into the quality of the film now story-wise i think um christopher nolan was able to expose enough um that it's believable and the way he kind of explains a lot of the the the, the world we're looking and um, by the first um, kind of mind-bending kind of um, trip that, that they do in the beginning um, tells us enough that we can kind of figure out what's going on and, and kind of what's going to happen. And then by onboarding the new architect, we learn a lot about uh, how all of this is supposed to work and what people can do. And uh, that's... I I, th I think the world that is built up in this is uh, fascinating, interesting, and well done. And um, it looks great to boot. It's visually stunning. The effects are fantastic. And it's um, mind-bending. So I think this very much deserves to be on this list. So I'm going to start by saying 
uh, Christopher Nolan, great director for the most part. Good concept guy. But like I said, his concepts never live up to the expectations. This movie has flawed logic from the very beginning to the very end. I'll give you one example. Remember the the moment where uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Elliot Page uh, were working, where was walking through the dreamscape he created, um, and they were talking about the subconscious and all of this stuff, and he was saying like, "Yo, you can bend, change the rules, uh, change gravity, uh, and do all of those scenario- all of those things." And then you know he projected, and we saw the world fold onto itself. Great concept. Great concept. The irony was that that was the only place in the film where it was used. And if you remember the scene where they had uh, the car was tumbling down, uh, was tumbling into the river, and the comp- the they lost gravity uh, in in the second layer of the dream. Um, there was a point where he was trying to uh, create a big jolt so that these people could. Um, wake up uh a kick and he was trying to find explosives and all of those stuffs he put it them in, in an elevator and then exploded it and watched the elevator first cut off the lines then hit the ground gave them a jolt and they woke themselves up and you, you you think like they explained this at the very beginning you basically can control the physics and the reality based on the dreams um and we're watching this folks not do anything so you it's like you give us a good concept at the very beginning you don't expand on it um uh and we watch this film that while it's the idea the concept is very imaginative the they expect the the delivery is not so i'm going to further explore because i know you're going to come back and you say whoa the the scene where everything was flipping around and they were in the corridor and they were fighting um that is still a great action scene it's gonna last forever nobody can do reproduce that i agree right the hallway scene the hallway fight great great fight scene but we're talking about dreams here and we're talking about people who are able to move from one dreamscape to another and we didn't i didn't feel that any of those dreams that they, they jumped into was different enough from reality that you could argue that the concept was fully realized. So it's basically like going from, hey, I'm in Los Angeles uh, and I dreamt that I was in Paris, but I still have to deal with traffic uh, and people are, you know, shooting at me. That's, that's, the only, that's the only thing in the dream that made sense. Like, that was like, out of the ordinary everything else was just you're moving from one scene to the other from one reality to the other it might even have been dreams it could have just been different realities um uh and the story was okay uh i i think that yeah let me stop there i've talked (laughs) (laughs) um so to your point of um they can change gravity in in the dreams i think uh, that gets a little more complicated when the the host bodies are physically um moved right which is happening in the in in kind of the first layer or, or, or yeah i think in the first 
dream there are right they have to fight scene where where, where they have to chase scene that action scene that you reference and the the bodies are kind of moving and i, I suspect it's hard for the person that is controlling the dream um to counteract that because they don't know what's going on in the in the level above so i think that's believable enough um that that that's kind of explained that that you cannot um, counteract something that you're not uh, conscious about, right? Um, to the other point, so the the uh, the fight, uh, I think this movie does need kind of the the tension and kind of the the action scenes aspect of it, and I've heard like they explained that well enough that there is the the concept of uh, subconscious security. <laughs> that's kind of keeping uh, like mind thieves out essentially right and this person is rich enough to afford that that kind of programming and uh, i felt there was kind of a clever way to introduce action in a movie um that wouldn't necessarily have a lot of opportunity for action otherwise that's my point for that um so even even that idea was not fully, f- fully um, fleshed out because they introduced, you know, when they went into uh, Cillian Murphy's mind, they introduced uh, the idea of security guys. And, you know, ironically, they didn't talk about those kinds of things before the movie started. They just introduced it at that particular point. Uh, when Elliot Page was working with him, they talked about the idea of subconscious and how the subconscious can attack the foreign host, like white blood cells. But when they went into the um, the, con- uh, the consciousness of um, Cillian Murphy, um, he brought about security, which was a totally new concept. Nobody had talked about that kind of thing before. Um, so it was totally new. And uh, it was a, it was so glaringly, uh, I don't know, it was it was just too convenient for them to introduce it like that. Oh, we want to add action to the film. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, but now these guys have security uh, and they've been they've been trained to prevent the inception uh, and all of those stuffs. That was just too convenient for me. Now, the problem with the action was that there was no sense that anybody was really going to be hurt. There was no sense of danger. There was a lot of shooting, a lot of, you know, you got to dream big and, you know, blowing things up. But this guy he shot millions and millions of bullets somewhere even at close range. There was a guy in at the back of the seat, four people to aim for, and this guy missed everyone till they, you know, till the driver, you know, drove into him and backed him into a different car. They were poor shots for this highly trained security. So the sense of danger evaporated. Now look at the end of the film. They were on this, um, on the ice scooters or whatever they call them, ice bikes. And everybody was shooting at each other. And we watched Tom Hardy just jump from one person to the other, elbow pe- elbowing people to the face, throwing grenades, doing everything he wanted to do while the security was just languishing and trying to get him. They were so, they were, Poor, they were a joke, honestly. There was no sense of danger in the action. If I was going to say anything, the action scenes in this film are some of the weakest. Um, and I think that this movie needed better action films. 
uh, action scenes to make it a little bit more interesting to watch. I'm considering the point of uh, the stakes of the action scenes doesn't seem didn't seem to be that high because it felt like the, there was never a real danger because our heroes make it a lot. Like the 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 only person that got hit was Saito, the the, the Saito character, and he's very much just a side person in this like not, was, not important it, at all it was very convenient for him to be hit because they needed that to yeah, uh, to because he couldn't do anything exactly <laughs> so so i could see that point I, I i think i think there is a need for some action scene uh, and 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 kind of some level of threat in this to kind of move the story along with a little more urgency and uh, i think it explains it well enough but i can see the point that it's um the stakes are not high enough or the the danger is not uh, high enough for this to to be fully realized um so you know i don't i don't know what your view of this movie inception is but i know watching this film the first time you come up with one expectation of what the inception is but the real you know watching it a few times i've watched it a few times now to me the inception the story of inception uh the main story of inception is about a man who is finding it hard to let go of his wife and a bunch of his friends come and plant an idea in his head about going old and being a man of regrets uh, and to help him get out of his um, slumber and go back home. That's that's what the story of Inception is to me. And it's masked around this heist film, right? Where a parallel story is going on about a kid who's trying to break up his dad's company so he can feel, uh, he can feel some semblance of ownership over the company which is going to be planted in by Saito's character, who was the rival. So the real inception going on in this film for me is the story of Leonardo DiCaprio and his wife. Because if you watch the movie and think that the inception is the character um, of Cillian Murphy and his dad's interactions, then a lot of things don't make sense. Um, like the whole, Like that, you know, the scene when they're in Africa... And, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio was trying to run away from those guys chasing him. And he goes into this hallway and every time he's trying to pass through, it's getting smaller and it's tighter and tighter. And he eventually escapes it. And Saito is just there with his car waiting. Ah, I don't want to lose my investment. And you're like, huh, that is very convenient. Very, very convenient. Wait, how the hell did they get to Africa? I, I thought it was, you know, he was on the run from the U.S. government. Why wouldn't they catch him between his trips? Um, and then you, you see you see a lot of these things and you go, why is Christopher Nolan complicating this movie for every viewer? Um, I had arguments with my wife about whether the, the bottle, the, the totem was spinning at the end or not. The first few times I watched it, I thought that this totem didn't spin, uh, was wobbling. And as a result of that, he, you know, 
he was living in his in the real world. But rewatching it today, you know, last night and a few weeks ago, uh, the totem didn't, you know, wobble. I mean, I can't say for sure that it wobbled. And you, you, you begin to question, like, is it that the guy, Christopher Nolan here, didn't think about how he wanted this movie to end and he wanted everything to be left to the interpretations of the users? Or is it just that this guy just had a, a half-baked concept and he decided to create great scenes, right, uh, and make a movie with poor dialogue? Oh, man. I, I, we'll, we'll, we'll go back into the dialogue of this film later on. Um, I will give this movie the concept, but <laughs> it's quite interesting what we can talk about uh, outside of those. But the movie's too complicated. Why is it so complicated? Why does he do this? Well, I think the... Like I mentioned, this movie at the core is a movie about grief. Right? Like the the the, the highest aspect of it are... Um, kind of plot device, but it is this the central character and kind of the, the central conflict is uh, the DiCaprio character. And I think there you you made an argument for the ambiguity of this movie, and I think you could make an argument that maybe this whole thing is is a dream still, right? We don't know how many layers there are, and it could be that this whole thing is just kind of in his head, and people are trying to to get him over that the grief thing um so but with that comes like i said a lot of ambiguity and a lot of kind of confusion and, and kind of contorted plot a little bit um but i think it's interesting uh, kind of mind bender and, and interesting concepts to think about and to to kind of think about the uh the potential of um if, if this was real in a way and just kind of like, what, what would you do? Right. And what, how would you react if, if a loved one is uh, trapped in limbo? Right. Mm. So, um, I think that's, that's the core of this, this, uh, story. And, uh, yes, the, the, the action and the heist and the multiple levels and all that are just, are, are, uh, kind of a way to get the DiCaprio character to closure. Right, because his goal is to go back to the the states and see his kids, and uh, so I I approach this movie from from that angle, and and just take it as a movie about grief and how to get over that. I have one final point uh, that I want to make about this film, but I do want to know what you think are some of the positives that we could take from this film. Um, yeah, like I said in in my statement, I think uh, this is one of the great examples of uh, taking the the time, <laughs> literally uh, taking the time and and kind of money when you produce a movie and uh, into the production value and really create a movie that looks very real. Uh, because it is on real locations around the world, um, there, there would have been another route for this to just have it shot on a soundstage. It was green screen everywhere, and I think that would have uh, incredibly cheapened this movie. But I think this movie is partially so beloved because it is so grounded in reality, uh, despite it being like uh, dreamlike um, 
you know, in nature. Uh, but it works because it, it like these dreams feel very believable because like the, the locations are real. I think that's one of the strong points. I think the cast is very strong. Uh, like it's it's an amazing array of great actors, and uh, the music is great. I think uh, Hans Zimmer has done it again with this a very iconic um, music beats and very kind of subtle weaved in here and there um, some of the leitmotifs that he has for certain characters, and uh, I think that's that's interesting. And and I also think it's it's a very flashy movie that gets you thinking. Um, a lot, like I mentioned, and um, it is successful through the visuals. And that it's it's impressive upon first view because everything is kind of like whoa, like when when they construct Paris upside down, like and doing all that, um, and just the construction of kind of the culmination of of all these different stages of dreams, kind of having to come together at the same time, and everybody kind of having to wake up. Um, I, I think that was pretty well done and kind of interesting how they coped in different stages of different dreams uh, with that. And I, I felt that was kind of an interesting concept. Yeah, I, I do agree that the music was was uh, was really was a brilliant idea, honestly. Like the, they use the Edith Piaf's Non Je Ne Regrette Rien as the song um, that uh, they used to wake up. And if you if you... If you listen, if you agree with uh, both our analysis that this movie is a movie about grief and somebody who is trying to cope with the death of his wife, uh, the non-genre regretoria is a song about not regretting any decision you've made or anything in life and just trying to live life with, uh, without the you know the the heaviness that comes with it. So you would you would appreciate the use of this music to steer him back from the depth of his despair into the real world. And I think that was a brilliant idea. And the fact that it was being played by, um, you know, a French, ah, what's her name? Um, a, the French actress, uh, who later went on to play Edith Piaf in a in a movie, was it La Vie en Rose? Uh, she later went on to play... Uh, What's her name? Um, Maria Cotillard. And she went on... <laughs> Sorry. Um, she went on to play uh, Edith Piaf in a different film. So, you know, life imitating life, I guess. Um, but it's quite interesting. They used, they did, they did all of that. But my gripe, uh, like I said, you know, is that we saw the, the the scenes in Paris where Elliot Page was folding the world around her. And I have to ask you, wouldn't it make a better action scene if we were going through the old, the movie at the end of the film, fighting through Paris where the whole world is flipping over, people are shooting each other from upside down. Um, that kind of... You know that kind of dreamscape would have been a lot more interesting than just going through snow bikes and shooting people and jumping off and punching people in the nose. I just well, think, I think his, his priorities were wrong. Well, I think the they explain that away though because they say like the 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 crazier you get in your world building in the dream, the more obvious it gets to the to the person you're um, 
kind of trying to to lead on in the I dreams. Agreed. But I agree. But I think about it also. happens. But that means we never saw the consequences of it because when we landed in the in the in the dream, the security guys came in immediately. So they were under siege from the very beginning. What if Inception was a dream where, because they were under you know duress from the very start, they start to burn the world, and then everybody in the world starts to chase them as they try to save you know multiple layers. That would have made a more interesting film than people just standing behind cars and just shooting. Oh, and going, oh God, should have come, should have dreamed bigger guns. Uh, it's a, it was a cool, it was a cool line the first time I watched it. But it's like you think about all the things they could have missed out on, the ideas that they could have gone with this, the directions they could have gone. Um, and the concept is good. The weakest part of this film is the action scene. The best and the strongest parts of this film are the concepts. Um, and uh, I think, you know, that's all I have to say about uh, Inception. Do I think it deserves to be in the top, you know, top 250? I'll give you that after we get to the general discussion. <laughs> all right, let's go there then. Your Honor, I'd like to ask for a recess. All right, so uh, no need for suspense. I do think this movie is great. Uh, <laughs> I got You got to come hard at this films, man. Um, and I, I wanted you to be the one to argue negatively about this. Um, I know, I know one of your best films, um, <clears throat> is Interstellar. It's another Christopher yep. Nolan film and, uh, it would be interesting. I mean, I don't know. I was going to make you argue because I would have been, I would have been interested to see you argue against the film. Um, well, at one point we'll get to Interstellar and I will see whether I get a head or a tail. But you know, like all Christopher Nolan films, it's 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 great on concept, but uh, lots of plot holes, and you know he gets a lot of leeway from the studios to do whatever he wants. So, and I think that's the reason why you know you get all these movies that are not very tight. Yeah, I think I mean Nolan's thing is time, right, and playing with time, and building different concepts around around how to create kind of interesting time scenarios right and same here where it's like multiple levels of dreams create like five minutes here 10 minutes there and 15 years there <laughs> or whatever that was right but it's it's kind of this interesting um concept and like i said it's like i feel like oftentimes his movies start with with that it's like hey i mean like um tenet went like hey how about we do a movie where people both move forward in time and backward in time? Like the, the, the concept is kind of interesting, but then it, it sometimes borderline fails on execution. It, it is always kind of redeemed by the production, I think. But like I mentioned, there, there's a lot of plot holes that um, are challenging. Yeah, I think it's so, it's so endemic in his films these days. And uh, if, like Tenet... So it's like, yes, Tenet starts with the concept of time, like time dilation, people moving forward and backward in time. And those ideas are, are good. But, you know, at, at points, he couldn't even reconcile those concepts. And he would be like, don't even think about it. Don't think about it. Just just watch the film. <laughs> the characters are saying, don't think about it. You know, yeah. um, 
at you know those are the, the, that's his problem. He makes good concept films with great action scenes, um, and you know, wow factor. I've seen Tenet a few times now, and it's like the more he does this stuff, the more convoluted his films become. Mm-hmm. Like Inception, at least, still makes sense. Um, I still don't understand the final few minutes of Tenet, and I've watched this film three or four times. I, I, I can tell you that, you know, things are moving forward and backwards at the same time, but I think that there's a lot of conveniences he adds into this film that make, like, coincidences that just makes things, makes things work. Um, and it's the same with this film, too. It's like, um, why is it that they got Elliot Page, uh, this young university student and within minutes of working with her it was on the first day she's talking about going into his subconscious and trying to figure out what is at the basement why are you keeping this woman here you know it's like who gave what gave you the right you college student to come in and disturb my my mind uh i'm the greatest you know, mind stiller, god damn it, you know, stuff like that. Um, I just feel like those are, I mean, if I was, you know, the character of, uh, if I was Cobb, I would see that as red flags. Um, and if this movie was about the heist, it would be a red flag. But this movie is not about the heist. This movie is about yeah. Cobb being, doing this, getting uh, incepted with the idea that he needs to come back home and not regret but if you watch this movie once, you would just assume for the rest of your life that this movie was about uh, Cillian Murphy and his father. The movie is also about that, but that's not what the movie is about. The movie is about um, Leonardo DiCaprio and his wife, Grief. And you have to watch this movie a number of times to get that idea. And A lot of those things would only make sense when you start to think, oh, okay, this is the reason why. I guess that's why she's so aggressive about pointing out why she's create. He's creating a a prison of memories for his wife, and things along those lines. So it's like he he makes life difficult for people. People come to watch movies to escape, not do math lessons and try to figure <laughs> out time. I I don't deny that the execution in some scenes are great, but you know. With, this is our this is our second Christopher Nolan film, The Dark Knight. Um, even that, you know, it's like plot holes galore. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I still like his films. I go watch the films, but in scenarios like this, I I, I wonder why someone like Wes Anderson is not more highly regarded uh, because he makes movies that are very very tight. Uh, he's one of my favorite directors, so I have a bias. Anyway. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm not going to lie. So when I watched this last night, I I kind of felt like this was, this was one of the first times in this whole mistrial series that we've done where I was like, this is awesome. I enjoy this movie a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm surprised it's on 13 and not within top 10. Uh, because, I, th- I like I said, I think it's very entertaining and all the the basics are there um, to, to have a successful film. I think, yes, you can be very uh, picky about plot holes, and yes, there are a bunch of them. Um, and I think sometimes there is kind of logic introduced 
uh, that's convenient uh, convenient enough because it it creates an interesting action scene. Um, case in point is the um, the hallway fight where uh, Gordon Levitt is is fighting in the hallway and and, and it's twists and turns, but it doesn't seem to really affect the the other people that are sleeping too much. Mm. Like it, it, it's not like, but it should right because they're following the same. So there's a lot of that stuff where it's like it, it looks cool, but don't think about it too much. Yeah, <laughs> right. And I think that's kind of a, a Nolan thing, right? Like it, it it he creates great visuals, and like I said, I think one of the strong points of his aesthetic is that it's very much grounded in reality and uh, i think that helps so much um to to get this through um that said uh, there are negative points in this i think um dicaprio is borderline overacting in this a lot mm-hmm. um and it, it kind of goes with the it always goes when he's kind of agitated and trying to get a certain thing and it's it's like oh you know tone it down a little bit like this is a little <laughs> A little too much acting in quotes, right? Um, and uh, I mean, you mentioned the dialogue um, is is kind of bad. I mean, it's you got to have some kind of um, dialogue that that explains the world that you're building, right? So it is. I, I do think they do a lot of um, show don't tell with examples. And I think that's important. Um, but I think at some point, this movie is like two and a half hours already. So at some point, you got to choose your battles, I think. If you do everything with, with the showing, then um, the the chances are that it gets more convoluted, more confusing, and a lot longer. So I, I think that's one of the problems you solve with, well, yeah, this is the reason why we do this. So this is the reason why we can't do this. Mm. But I mean, it's not a perfect movie, but it's a pretty movie, <laughs> right? And it's 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 an interesting movie in that it's just kind of mind twisting in that, and I think that um, is uh, well executed. Just a piece of cinema. Yeah, I. So that's why all my criticisms of this film. I enjoyed. I enjoyed watching it. I I watched it in one go, which is always a good sign. Um, I I really enjoyed the film, but you know those things gnaw gnaw at you, uh, because if this was my first time watching the film, I don't think it would have lingered as much. But I've seen this film a few times now, and you know, it's like. And given time, movies like Doctor Strange has come out that have done the dreamscape. I mean, in a better way. Like, just I know it's a Marvel film, but (laughs) the dreamscape is better realized in Doctor (laughs) Doctor Marvel. uh, Doctor what? Doctor Marvel? Oh, Doctor Strange. Jeez. (laughs) Doctor Marvel. Uh, It's more realized in Doctor Strange than this. So when you're talking about the dreamscape flying through space uh dreams are dreams are very weird and you would want a very weird film and they promised us that folding the folding of paris was a promise and we got traffic jams and cars falling into water 
So I think that there's some unrealized spectacle that would have been nice to have. Maybe they will do it in Inception 2. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but this movie is quite good. But, you know, the concept is strong. But the movie execution is not as great. Yeah, I I don't think I agree with Doctor Strange. For, for the reason being that I think the Marvel movies are just too much um, CGI and green screen stuff. Mm. Um, and I suspect it will not hold up too well in the long run. I I could see I could see that in like ten twelve years, would be we be in kind of a similar spot than we are now, talking about Inception. Um, Inception probably still holds up pretty well. The Marvel movies, we don't know, but it's always tricky, right? I th I think there's there's kind of a reason why Jurassic Park, for example, is still looking great because mm -hmm. it's a lot of it is real. Um, and they carefully chose the the CGI aspects for multiple reasons, right? But it's uh, it's still looking great. It's still working great at that. And I think um, time will tell. But I think these these CGI heavy movies uh, may have a problem. Like in, in That's fair. Multiple. You know, you, you know. Come to talk, think about it, I think that you know, even a movie like Tenet, uh, despite all the criticisms, that movie is gonna hold up. For a long time, it's a masterpiece when it comes to technical uh, production and the visuals. That movie is gonna hold up forever. Um, yeah. But yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe in the sense that maybe that's what he was driving for by not giving us the visual spectacle that we wanted. Um, but you know, I we live to dream, I guess. I, yeah. I, I, I I will say that his puzzles are very very interesting. I read later that you know even the number that they they put in that uh, Cillian Murphy was using throughout the film was used as marketing color. It was a hex hex. It was a hex uh, color value that was used in all the marketing for the movie, which is interesting. You know you can't give you can't uh, deny Christopher Nolan is a marketing genius and yeah. there's always puzzles within puzzles within puzzles. Um, and this movie has many layers of, you know, inception. Also, the 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 guy said it three times. Saito uh, said the story about growing old and uh, living without regret. And the third time, you know, he, uh, he finished it, um, DiCaprio. And I think that was a point of realization. So there were there were lots of really cool things. Even at the end of the film, the Inception sign came flashed three times, and things along those lines. These are really cool Easter eggs to make you feel like, oh wow, this is a really well thought out idea. It's pretty interesting. Nobody goes to that much depth when it comes to making a film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like I said, I mean, I, I like Nolan a lot. Uh... Just because I think he he has interesting concepts and ideas. Now the execution, you know, sometimes is great, sometimes is you know a little too convoluted. I think, um, but the the concepts are always very fascinating and and just kind of an interesting take at the world and time. Because I I think like I said, like all those movies have some kind of time component. It seems even The Dark Knight mm. has like this conundrum of like. Who pushes the button first? Yeah, right? true. And in, in a certain amount of time, and so I think he, that's just fascinating, right? And uh, if, if you like that kind of narrative, it, thinking even, about these kind of narratives in the first place, 
So even even Interstellar has uh, time time. Oh yeah. Time, yeah, tons of it. Right, it's like oh, on this planet, like the, the minute is seven years or whatever, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of that, and I think that's just interesting because it 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 raises the stakes for the characters. Like every decision has a tremendous effect. Mm-hmm. Right. For that's why I think Interstellar works so well. But we'll get to that in like. 10 15 episodes <laughs> <laughs> all right well I, I think i've exhausted my uh my points for this film i thought it was a really good discussion uh i mean I'd, we both agree that it should be in the list so yeah <laughs> uh I, I, nobody makes films like christopher nolan so you got to give him that um and warner brothers get, let him do whatever he wanted to do it's going to be interesting to see what happens now that he's moved to a different studio. Maybe he'll go back to Warner Brothers in the end. But, you know, he's making a movie about the atomic bomb. Uh, let's see if let's see if time can be dilated in that one, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to be a countdown at some point, right? <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true. All right. Um, Rachi, where can people find us? So you can find us on uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, on Twitter on at Movie Mistrial. Or you can send us an email at uh, contact at moviemistrial.com. I was going to say you can also find us on Spotify or any of your favorite podcast applications. Uh, we're streaming for any way you like to listen to podcasts. That's right. And if you like this podcast, please leave a, a review. It would be helping us a lot. Thank you very much. Have a great week. Yep. And next, uh, next up is The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. And we'll be finally done with The Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take it easy. You too, mate.